Welcome to Legends from the Fireside. Standing upon the shoulders of giants in this genre, Legends from the Fireside is a hybrid storytelling RPG podcast set within worlds of sword and sorcery. In our tales, the dice tell the fates of those worlds, for good or for ill. No character is sacred. Survival is not guaranteed. As storyteller and game master, I craft the narrative from these dice rules and create quests from this chaos, all without knowing what could happen next. Listener discretion is advised, as we may explore dark corners of this genre. But, come now, for adventure awaits, listen in to the legends from the fireside. In the last episode of Legends from the Fireside... The party have agreed to track down the fungus known as Iron Bloom for the alchemist of Oak Hollow, all in order to cure a sleeping sickness that has befallen the townsfolk. Belgen is aware that there may be a gnomish alchemist behind this sickness, and he has heard that this gnome may be very dangerous. The party, including Morris, Thanel, Teriad, and Belgen, hit the road, leading to the monastery where they believe this fungus may be growing in an old forge. The party run across a farmer named Brom, who Thanel does not immediately recognize, and the farmer explains that his wife and child have fallen due to a strange gnomish mage out here in the wilderness. This party agrees to allow the farmer to join them, though the farmer openly disapproves of Belgen, and leads them to the monastery. In the dead of night on the trail, a spectral form of a monk enters their camp, muttering about eyes that pry into his mind before it wanders off into the darkness. The party locate the monastery, and after a feat of strength, Morris lifts a gate for the party to sneak in. The party wander about the halls looking for the fungus and the one behind the sleeping sickness, though, unfortunately, all they find is ruin. After Belgen has a strange encounter with the farmer, the party agree to continue on their way, exploring the monastery, only to hear something approaching, making strange wooden footsteps. Chapter 9, Part 1 Day 14, Midday Party Status Morris, 10 out of 10 hit points Terriad, 10 out of 10 hit points. Thanel, 9 out of 9 hit points. Belkin, 4 out of 4 hit points. Terriad has prepared the spell, Cure, Cure light, light Wounds. Belgen has prepared the spell, Chromatic, Chromatic Orb. Orb. The party stand in the dusty and dreary marble-lined hallway, with Morris in the front holding his magic spear, followed by Terriad holding a mace and a torch, followed by Thanel and her short bow, and Belgen with his hunk of quartz, and the farmer Brom with his pitchfork in tow. 
as they hear the footsteps approaching. Morris, in a hushed tone, swiftly instructs the party. Stand back. Hold our ground. Let's wait and see what we're dealing with. But to their terror and confusion, rounding the corner about 20 feet away from them, a short and squat wooden golem entered the torchlight. At about three and a half feet tall, with carved wooden fists attached to thick wooden arms, this odd automaton wandered towards them with a permanent grimace carved into its wooden face. Combat begins. Because I already rolled for surprise in the last episode, neither party is surprised. So we're going to jump right into this. Round one. The roll for initiative. This wooden golem got a six, and our party got a two. Not a great start. The wooden golem began to charge at Morris, who stood at the ready. The golem swings in with strength capable of leveling Morris, making contact with his ribs and dealing a single point of damage and knocking the wind out of him. Morris attempts to stab the golem with his spear, but he misses after the punch in the rib staggers him. Thinel draws an arrow and shoots the golem square in the head, though the arrow seems to do little at all effect to it. She looks at the rest of the gathered party members with a look of despair for a moment as she draws another arrow. Round two. Initiative. The wooden golem got a four. The party got a four as well. Simultaneous actions. The wooden golem continues its way towards Morris, and Morris is able to bat away the wide swing of this golem with its spear. Thanel fires another arrow off, splitting the last arrow she fired at the golem, and immediately shouts out, I don't think this is working at all. Morris yells back, Keep it together, Thanel. Keep shooting this thing. And he stabs in with his spear. As he makes contact with his shining spear, he cleaves off a slab of wood, which clatters to the ground inanimate for seven points of damage. Round three. Initiative. Gollum got a six, and the party got a two. The Gollum continues to push Morris to the wall and swings with heavy fists at his legs. With an audible crack, it deals four points of damage to him, leaving him with only five hit points left. Thanel then fires another arrow, but misses in her panic. Tariad, hoisting his staff into the air, chants under his breath before touching Morris on the shoulder, healing him for five hit points, leaving Morris at full health. Morris stabs again at this automaton and misses after being knocked off kilter. Round four, initiative. The golem has a two and the party has a four. Belgen, Thanel, and the farmer, fearing for the worst, begin retreating farther into the corner away from this combat. Morris stabs in again, and again he misses. Luckily for Morris, the golem swings and misses as well. Round five, initiative. The golem got a three, and the party got a three as well. Belgen continues retreating and bumps into the farmer. As he looks behind him, he sees the farmer staring down at him again with an eerie look. Morris swings in once more 
and with all his might, lands another stab on the golem, sundering its chest. The golem splinters and spews wood all around the room, with one of the arms flying off, and hits Morris in the head for six hit points, bringing him to a total of four. As the automaton ceases its movements, they turn to Morris and see his head bleeding from that last wound. Morris's gaze on the golem did not waver for moments after the golem stopped moving. Thanel broke the tense silence by saying, We'll need to hurry. We've lost the element of surprise. The party then hurry down the hallway to the section they have yet to enter and stop before the door on the right. Alquode, on the other side of the door, hearing his golem being destroyed, knew he was in for a life or death fight. He feverishly grabbed potions from the table he was working at and began to soak some rags and prepare a flame to burn the rags, looking at the fireplace and planning his escape route. Before Morris can grasp the doorknob of the door on the left, Belgin stopped him and pointed to the doorknob. Check the door first. I wouldn't be surprised if it's trapped. Whoever is here is not going to leave the door without some sort of defense. As Belgin begins to inspect the doorknob, Thanel puts her ear to the door and says she hears shuffling feet and clinking glasses on the other side. She turns to the party and says, I hear something. Let's plan our attack. And quick. Belgin looks up at the party saying, The knob is definitely covered in some sort of contact poison. Don't touch it. As Belgin grabbed a thick cloth from his bag and began to turn the knob, it seemed locked. Morris doesn't skip a beat, prepares to knock the door in. When I get in there, Terriad will follow me, and Thedel can shoot him if he, she gets a clear enough shot. Belgin, stand back with Brom, and don't make a nuisance of yourself. Morris then lowers his shoulder and runs into the door. He's going to need a roll of a 1, 2, or a 3 on a d6. Let's see what he gets. A 6. Alquode, hearing this, lights the rags on fire, and thick clouds of smoke billow from the rag immediately. He turns now to the fireplace and prepares to climb out. Morris again tries to force the door open, and again, and again, each time to no avail. Finally, on his fourth attempt, Morris crashes through the door with a two. The smoke billowing up in the room obscures much of their vision but they can see this was once a mess hall, complete with benches, long tables, and a large chimney. An alchemy lab is set up on a tabletop with expensive looking tools all about. As they smell the air, it becomes clear that the smoke is not typical smoke. The chemical rich odor immediately makes them all feel very woozy. Because both parties were able to hear each other, I'm not gonna roll for surprise at all. Round one. Initiative. Alquod got a five. The party got a four. As Alquod sees the door bash open, he begins to attempt to climb out. I'll give him a two and six chance to climb up. I got a three, so Alquod struggles to climb up and he stops trying immediately. The party rush into the chamber. They all need to roll a saving throw against poison. Morris got a 14 versus his 12. Terriad got a 19 versus 11. Thanel got a 17 versus 12. 
Well, perfect. Morris and Terry had hurry up into melee, charging through the cloud of smoke, billowing up from the burning rag. Morris stabs in ferociously with his eyes watering from this acrid smoke, landing a brutal stab on the gnome for five points of damage. Terriad cannot hit the alchemist because he has snuck into the chimney and has too much cover. Similarly, Fennel cannot take a shot out of fear of hitting a companion. Round two. For the initiative, Alquo got five, and the party got a two. Alquode, feeling for his life, fumbles around in his pockets before retrieving a carved ruby and holding it up to Morris, smiling wickedly as he coughed the words, Burn, you bastard! A searing ray of heat and fire shot from the ruby directly at Morris. Morris will roll a saving throw versus spells. He's going to need a 16 or higher, but he only needs a 14 thanks to his ring of fire resistance he had found so long ago. I got a 4, so unfortunately he is singed by the flame for a d6 of fire damage, minus 1 because of the ring. I rolled a 1, but I can never do less than 1 point of damage, so Mars's ring manages to deflect as much of the fire as it can, but he is still singed by the blast, bringing his HP to a total of 3. Alquod's smile turned to a look of fear as the party begin their actions. Belgen enters the room and prepares to cast his own chromatic orb back at Alquod, rolling a saving throw versus poison as he enters the smoky room. He only needs an 8, but he scored an 18. Thanel attempts a shot with penalties because of the cover that Alquod has and misses terribly in her attempt. Belgen fires in the beam of light from his chromatic orb spell, and also misses as Alquod succeeds in his saving throw versus spells. Terriad swats at the gnome with his mace, missing, but a burnt and bruised Morris slams the spear into the alchemist, hitting him again, this time for six points of damage, killing him instantly. As the party pant, they realize they've inhaled more of the fumes and must make another saving throw versus poison. This time, Terriad got a 2 versus 11 and immediately passes out on the ground. Morris similarly got a 4 versus 12 and also passes out. Thanel and Belgen pass on their saving throws, but they panic as they try to figure out what to do. Belgen shouts to her, We need to drag them out. Quick, help me with Terriad. But he looked over and saw her already knelt beside Mars attempting to drag him away by herself. Belgen left Terriad's side and helped drag Morris back out of the room. Once in the hallway, Thanel wheezed and fell over unconscious directly onto Morris's chest. Belgen needs to roll one more saving throw to try and help Terriad out of the room. Only needing an 8, he got a 16. Wow, what a powerhouse. Holding his breath as he leaps back in, he grasps Terriad by the shoulders and drags him out laboriously. As Belgen stops, gasping for air with his companions in the hall, all unconscious, he looked over at the hallway leading out of the monastery, and he saw an aberrant looking bipedal figure looking back at him before running out of the building. Too exhausted to act on fear, Belgen flopped onto his friends for a moment longer. Chapter 9 
Part 2 Day 14 Midday Party Status Morris, 3 out of 10 hit points Terriad, 10 out of 10 hit points Thinel, 9 out of 9 hit points Belgen, 4 out of 4 hit points Party have no spells left After dragging his companions to the bunks they'd explored earlier Belgen felt the need to explore the rest of the monastery. While at first he felt too scared to do so, he became restless and decided he'd rather be endangered than safe. The building reeked of smoke and chemicals, but Belgen was used to the smell by now. He wandered to the room across from the mess hall and realized the same contact poison was on this knob as well. Behind this door was the workshop. A series of workbenches and specialist tools littered tabletops and baskets, but what caught his eye most was the anvil and the forge. As he stepped foot within, a large voice, seemingly to originate from all around him, shouted, Leave this place if you wish to avoid the wrath of the mad forge master. Belgen ran from the room for just a moment, before realizing this was likely a trick to scare him from this place. After this, he quickly returned to the forge and looked within. A cluster of grey mushrooms with silvery flecks in the forge resembled iron bloom, so he grabbed them and wrapped them in a cloth. Various armor and weapons lay scattered about the benches, but his attention soon turned to the only other door in the room, which led to the library. The library was small, but filled with many books and much decor. Of the decor, a single bust of a man's head stares at Belgen as he enters. He sheepishly looks back and realizes the optical illusion at play here. The bust is labeled Otal Eris, Forge Master, and it seems to be worth around 600 gold pieces. Alongside the bust are a few more valuable tomes, including some texts on elven smithing, worth about 300 gold pieces for the set. As the smoke is cleared out within the kitchen, Belgen enters again slowly and looks over the alchemical apparatuses, which seem to be worth a total of about a thousand gold pieces. On Alquod's hand is a signet ring with a family crest upon it, worth somewhere around 1200 gold pieces. Belgen realizes it must have been stolen, and he swears to return it someday to the correct family. Seated on the table among the alchemical apparatuses was a silver chalice, seemingly dedicated to the god named Primdath. The inscription reads, To create something that is of true worth, one must place their soul between the hammer and the anvil. This relic, simple and modest as it is, seems to be worth about 800 gold pieces. Beside the tools, Belgen finds a series of letters back and forth from Alquod and a ravenous maw. Having his interest piqued, he opened the letter and read, It has come to our attention that our agreement for the delivery of your alchemical sedative has not been honored. As you are aware, we do not welcome incompetence and we most assuredly do not tolerate those who would attempt to break contractual agreements. For this reason, 
We feel it is unnecessary to elaborate on the repercussions of your actions should you continue along this course of action. If it is the case that you have encountered unforeseen complications, we recommend you sort out these complications and contact us immediately of how you will make amends for your shortcomings. If we do not receive further information or the agreed-upon product of your efforts, we will instead prepare to sort out these issues in person. It is greatly recommended that you do not meet with us in this way, as your contract will be terminated in a way most dismal. All praise to the ever-hungry one. Belgen quickly picked up another letter that Alcord was finishing writing before his untimely demise. To those it may concern, the product you have requested of me was delayed, as I had encountered an issue with my current supplier of alchemical components. I will save you the time and energy in the details of the components I was without, but suffice to say, at this time, I am preparing the poison you requested, and it shall be delivered to our agreed-upon location as per our contract. Let it be known that I am grateful for your continued patronage, and you will be pleased when you receive the latest batch. On a side note, I have noticed the premises of my lab are being watched as my golem is often alarmed by the presence of intruders. While I recognize this is my issue to deal with, I want to warn you that I may be moving my current laboratory to a safer location in the upcoming week. As always, I thank you for your business. Signed, Alquod the Vile. Belgen then hears the voices of his party members as they stir and begin to awaken. As he hurries to enter the bunk room, he sees a strange an alien-looking bipedal form walking from the room where the party were laying unconscious. He stops dead in his tracks, and a faceless, willowy figure stalks past him quickly, as if in a hurry to get somewhere. Belgen, stunned, waited a breathless moment before rushing into the room. Morris, rubbing his head, said in pain, What happened back there? Are we all okay? Terry had muttered under similar pain. Yes, I think we're okay. The chemical that mage had burned must have incapacitated all of us. If I didn't know any better, it would seem that he must have burned something similar to that odd powder we got in Lita. For a moment, the statement hung in the air. Morris then looked over at Terry and said, you don't think that the... No, I, I don't mean... I, I I hope it wasn't, but I can't be certain. Then El then chimed in. Are you telling me you had something to do with this? Morris quickly leapt to the defense. There's no way we could have known this would happen. We were just doing a job. Belgen entered the conversation calmly, saying... What matters is that he's been stopped, and he can't hurt anyone with his foul brewing anymore. Terriad then nodded in agreement. Belgen, I'm sorry we didn't thank you sooner. Whatever happened when we fell to that poison, I'm grateful for your bravery to save us as you did. You are a good man. 
Belgen smiled for a moment, then took on the look of a composed hero. I know you would have all done the same for me, but I have some interesting letters you may want to read. Also, the farmer Brahm is gone. I don't know what was wrong with him, but I never trusted him anyways. Good riddance. Dramatis Personae Morris Callard At the end of the summer months, the village of Argeth has a small festival to celebrate the good harvest. Typically, this festival is joyous, filled with revelry and indulgence. The villagers drink and eat to their heart's content, singing and dancing under the stars and the moon. This wonderful evening is not shared by all, however. Morris and his father had a yearly ritual of staring down upon the festivities and wondering what it might be like to have that sense of normalcy once again, if even for just one night. Though his father Delden had gotten used to the sense of being left out of typical village life, Morris still felt the pains of being an outcast. At the age of 18, he wanted nothing more than to find companionship and to feel content with his life. As his father settled in for the evening, with the sun setting in the window, Morris gave a deep sigh before sitting down to eat some stew and some bread. Delden didn't bother to make eye contact with Morris. He knew why he was sighing. Still peering out the window, Delden said to Morris without turning around, You know, your mother always loved going to the Harvest Festival. She'd hate me for telling you this, but she definitely drank too much every year. She'd always dance about like an orc with two left feet. As he chuckled to himself, the room fell silent yet again. Delden lowered his head and he spoke as he turned around, finally looking his son in the eye. I know it's hard, but they don't understand us. If you went down there, I'm sure they'd be cruel. We can't live this way, Father. I know we have our reasons, but I can't stand having to live like some hermit. You aren't wrong. I want nothing more for you than a simple and enjoyable life. But the less I make myself known here, the better for everyone. I can't have something happen like it had in the past. Morris paused for a moment, then looked pensively at his father. What is that supposed to mean? Delden sat at the table with his son and said with a sigh, I know you've heard many rumors of the burden I've put onto this village. The people who died defending these farmers and woodsmen from the assassins they sent to kill me. Morris sat silently staring. He hadn't heard his father speak so plainly of this topic before in his entire life. When I was a mercenary, I made many enemies. These enemies were not goblins of the hills or bandits or any other foolish foe. No, son, the enemies I made are conniving, and they have the resources to hunt down people like myself. Who are these enemies? Your mother and I encountered many strange foes in our adventuring days, but none were as strange as the Black Mask. Black Mask? 
son, I'll spare you the details, but needless to say, this enemy is not what you'd expect. No, it's not what any of us had expected. As Morris watched his father stare into the distance for just a moment, he watched him as he rolled back through decades of memories. A single teardrop rolled down his father's cheek, and he turned to his son yet again. You should go, Morris. The festival, you should go. I don't want you to be owned by your past and what people think of you. If not for me, do it for your mother. She loved you so very much, boy. And she would be appalled if she saw us both here, sitting around and sulking. Then will you go with me? For a moment, Delden was silent in contemplation. Suddenly, a smile crossed his face, and he nodded slowly. I think your mother would like us both to get out of here. With that, Delden and Morris got up, walked down to the village, to much confusion of the villagers present. Perhaps it was the good feelings of the festival that made people welcoming of the Callans. They were handed mugs of ale and small cakes filled with wild berry jam. The music carried on into sundown, and as the bonfire light and the small lanterns illuminated the dancing, Morris laid eyes on the girl he had left behind those years ago. He had seen Lorene around the village over the years, watching her blossom into a beautiful young woman. But under the flickering light of the flames at the festival, her beauty was otherworldly. Perhaps it was the mead he had been drinking, or perhaps it was the push of his father to go approach her. But whatever it was, Morris found he was walking towards her. As he approached, he realized he had no idea what to say, or how to say it, and so he stammered helplessly before her. Saving him, she asked him for a dance. As one might expect, he agreed with a grin, and they began to dance the night away. Between songs, the two locked eyes and smiled, as if two kids who had a forbidden love squandered were finally free to enjoy the listless passion of a night free of all stress and worry, and they leaned in to kiss one another, when suddenly, a shriek shattered the moment. Mars quickly leapt in front of Lorene to protect her, and saw his father face to face the black-robed warrior with an exotic-looking sword in his hand. His father was armed only with a large metal pole used to prod at the fire. Though he was certainly outarmed, he was not less skilled than the swordsman. Morris had never seen his father fight in this way, and much of the crowd must have felt the same way as they stood, mouths agape, watching the two strike and parry. After watching the skirmish continue for a few more moments, the black-robed man turned to an innocent bystander and grabbed her by the hair, putting the sword to her throat and shouting in a strange accent, Drop the weapon, Delden, or else I'll butcher the swine. The crowd gasped and screamed. Morris watched on in terror, waiting for his father's next move. His father took a few calculated steps backward, lowered the metal pole to the ground, never once breaking eye contact with the assassin. As he went to stand again, he grabbed a tankard that had fallen at his feet 
and he hurled it with lightning-quick reflexes at the assassin's hand. With a yelp, the assassin dropped his blade, and in an instant, his father was hurtling through the air at the assassin, crashing into him and immediately pummeling him. The crowd exploded in different directions, but Morris watched paralyzed as his father killed the man and stood up again and saw the crowd having turned on him. Delden quickly looked for his son and said without speaking, I'm sorry, son. And he ran to the house. Morris, shocked by this, tried to chase his father, but was swept up in the chaos of the festival. By the time Morris had arrived at the house, he saw the door left wide open, and his father's cloak and bag were missing, with a floorboard removed, revealing a stash of papers, maps, and books. As he approached this cache of hidden papers, he saw a single piece of parchment on the table with fresh ink scribbled upon it. It read, I am sorry, Morris. Someday you will understand why I'm doing this. But until then, please trust me and act as a, the man I know you to be. Thank you for listening to an episode of Legends from the Fireside. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. Some of these reviews may be read at the end of episodes. You can also reach me at Legends from the Fireside on Twitter, or you can email me at legendsfromthefireside at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to the show, and be sure to come back soon to listen to more Legends from the Fireside.